Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And we're here from the University of Central Florida. So, Lisa, I know that you've had some people asking you specific questions about a topic that we both know a lot about, which is collaboration and co-teaching. So, what's our what's our problem we're addressing today? Yeah, so we really do want people to send us problems on Practical Access on our Twitter feed, so please do post those. But what's funny is, didn't need to post one because I got a phone call yesterday, and it was from my colleagues in the state of Arkansas. I've been doing lots of work with co-teaching over the last decade with them. And they said, how do you approach co-teaching in this new environment? How do we meet IEP goals? And I started kind of rambling off ideas and I said, you know what, we'll make that a topic of our podcast. So Becky, I'm gonna let you start. What do you think? How do we start with co-teaching in a virtual environment? Well, first of all, I would be thrilled if I were a teacher right now and I had a collaborating teacher to share this work with. Yeah. There's so much to be done and having a teaching partner now more than ever, I think, really gives us a chance to be creative and think about how we use our shared talents. So if we thought about the traditional, typical co-teaching yeah. structures, Lisa, we could just kind of base our discussion around that. Sure, that's so a good idea. We, we know that lead support is most commonly used to co-teach <laughs> Doesn't have to be, but it, it is. Doesn't have to be. We're not even <laughs> saying we want it to be, but we're just saying realistically it yes. is. Yes. So if we thought first about that particular model and what what roles people would have using that model in this in this partnership. so. Obviously, if I'm a teacher of kids with disabilities, first and foremost, my job literally is to ensure that those IEP goals are being met. Yeah. So I do need to zero in on those. And I'm someone who in a, in a face-to-face class would say, we need a real transparency and fluency between the two teachers. Yeah. I do encourage everyone though to keep those IEP goals front and center if you're legally responsible for that. So how would that look collaboratively? Well, it still might mean that if you're doing um, the content and you're planning for the content, I might be planning for the support for all students. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you're doing some kind of an online lesson or lecture. I might be preparing some guided notes for students Uh, to follow along at home. I might be preparing, um, looking for things online from Read, Write, Think, and looking for some of those student interactives. And I might even be doing that in a split screen, filling it out myself so that students at home could follow along and fill it out with me. Yeah, and I'd want to be adding things like maybe some Google images to kind of enrich or, you know, any backgrounds or having the kids get up and move a little bit and say, all right, can you show me physically what you think that vocabulary would look like? Because I do think we think online means sit and get, and I think movement would be a great thing to add in that support role. So I think those are some great ideas for one lead, one support. Let's just kind of go down the list. Don't you think that's the sure. best way to address this? Yeah, what do you you have? know, the other one I was thinking about is station teaching. It's kind of a go-to. And what a great opportunity. If we about every 15 minutes had kids change stations, they could do that virtually, assuming, now this is an assumption on our part, kids have technology. But they could be with you for 15 minutes, then with me and small groups. And then I would encourage an independent station, turn the camera off, turn off the technology, and go outside and find some blades of grass and measure a four inch versus a two inch if we're talking about measurement. Again, trying to get kids moving and giving them that 15 minute break I think would be important. And I think we could do that in station teaching. But I think even if kids don't have technology, maybe they do a YouTube video and then they go do a part of their packet and then they go outside and do something. So thinking about how we can use station teaching 
And now you can look at a differentiated model in the packet of the material if kids don't have the internet, because we have to keep that in mind in the work. So that basically, we're doing. you'd be designing a station, I'd be designing a station, yep. and the kids would have two great activities Correct. because we're collaborating. Absolutely, yeah. I, I like that, and I I think the next the model I would think about is parallel teaching. Yeah, five it's, it's, it's similar to station teaching because <laughs> it does include you know each of us having some autonomy in our planning. Yeah. But the difference being that we wouldn't expect students to have to do all of the stations. Yeah. In, a, in a parallel taught um, environment, you'd be offering it one way yep. and I'd be offering it another. And we would invite kids to choose their preferred method yes. of delivery. Like yours would be musical and mine certainly would not, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So if we, if I, and if we were doing this, if we were doing this online and yeah. we were actually connecting synchronously with mm -hmm. students, it would be as simple as now we're going to be talking about um, proportions. If you want to think about proportions by following along with me as I bake this cake, mm -hmm. um, go into this chat room yep. or this side room. If you want to follow along with Miss Deeker <laughs> while she does it through some other possibly boring way. No, <laughs> we would probably be doing some yoga or aerobics and, and cutting in half how much exactly. we did because a little bit of movement would need to be involved exactly. if I were hanging out. And so in, in, in a parallel situation, yeah. students would, would hear about it and learn the content in one of those two ways and they would choose which one they want. Then we would all come back together with the expectation that we're still meeting the same standards and that we're using even the same assessment to make sure that they understood what they were supposed to have learned from our separate instruction. And in that case, Becky, I think also I'd want to be sure that I gave you, if you were the general ed teacher, things in your cooking for the students with IEP goals, but vice versa, you'd want to vet and be sure that I was meeting the standards with my aerobics yoga outfit <laughs> right. because that's what's important. But I think it's what we've always said with co-teaching is make sure you're using your A-game. Right. What are you good at? Well, if you're good at baking and I'm good at moving, then let's make sure that we're using those strengths in not only our online instruction, but making sure we're using that for kid learning too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, we don't have to sit down and craft all of these lesson plans together. Yeah. We just need to communicate well in what standards we're going to be Reaching how long our lessons are going to be yes. and what we want the assessment to be at the end. Yeah, and then they would all be assessed together in the parallel teaching, exactly. which I think is powerful. Well, I'm going to go with my absolute favorite. If I could pick the type of co-teaching I think all of America should be doing, it's alternative teaching. And I would say that if you're going to sign on at 8 o'clock as a general ed teacher at 7.30, I'm going to sign on with those kids early, and I'm going to pre-teach them about proportions. So when they get to you, they feel good about themselves. I've really differentiated that instruction with them. Or maybe at the end, I keep a small group back and you do some gifted enrichment with proportions and I continue to review through a Kahoot or uh, a brain, uh, not, not a brain pop, a quiz is kind of a video um, activity that could be online for assessment, but it gives you freedom too because I think that's what we often forget is not only do we have kids at the low side, but some of our kids with disabilities are very gifted and we want to make sure we're pushing and I think that alternative teaching of 15, 30 minutes at each bookend might make a difference. What I do you think? think? I yeah. think that's a great layer. I think also you could use alternative teaching. If we agreed that one of us was going to use that, you might be leading something whole group online and I'm private messaging each student oh, in idea. our class saying, do you have any questions about what she's saying? Yeah, or do idea. you need anything? And not just the kids with disabilities, but yes. I might be private messaging every single student yeah. 
who's logged in so that they get one of our individual attention on that day. Yeah, that's cool. And then, you know, the one we both don't like, but I do want to just suggest <laughs> it, is one teach, one observe. And I know we think there's too much of people, one teaching and one standing back and observing. I personally really recommend that for those master teams to do a little bit of a sweep of their room and do five minutes of just concentrated, either looking at behavior or looking at environmental pieces, like is the kid sitting too close to a hot window? Well, in the online environment, that seems a little weird, but I still think it could be very powerful. If you're teaching and for five minutes, I'm just watching go, oh, so-and-so's nodding off, so-and-so. And again, then we switch. I would recommend that maybe once a week, twice, once every two weeks, just so that we're still concentrating. And it's a great way for me to take IEP data. It's a great way to take IEP data, and it's a great way to take other data that we haven't even had the opportunity or ever been in a position to collect true we could look at you know we could double down on attendance yes. who's actually logging in yeah who's going to call those kids who didn't right. log in right who you know that those are the kind of things that if one of us is truly observing you know there are all of those pieces as well i could sit back while you're leading something a discussion perhaps and i could document how many times individual students responded to your prompt so that in five minutes i could know that we need to ask this student to respond or this student to right. respond and it's really hard for you if you're the one leading the discussion <laughs> yes. to keep track of all of that yeah. so i could observe purposefully and i could code that kind of thing to help drive what we do next yeah and i think the one we both love that we just do easily together that's why we're doing this podcast is team teaching we just have this innate ability to look at each other and pause and think but I think online, we have to be careful with that model because I think it can be overwhelming. And what really should happen from great co-teaching is I always say, set in your mind what a PE teacher would do. A PE teacher, wouldn't, we wouldn't both lecture on volleyball. We'd let kids go play volleyball. So I think you gotta be careful in the online environment that we both don't talk more. We actually find ways to talk less. To me, team teaching is the way for us to do more sidebars and differentiate and let kids do more conversation in those chat rooms or through some kind of modality whether it's even texting, twittering, whatever might work for you depending on the bandwidth your kids have. In this particular online, um, this, this new era, I think co-teachers have the opportunity to have the greatest games yes. of all. So I'm hopeful that using team teaching, if you're working with someone who already, you guys have already have great patterns, be aggressive. Try something big. I, I would really love to see this be an opportunity for us to get at what we all really do well and discover new ways that we can collaborate to really get the most out of our students. And I think I'll go back to kind of wrap this one up that what you said in the last podcast is process is important. So let's get a process, let's get a structure that works for us. If it's stations on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Monday, Wednesday and Friday, it's team teaching so that it's not only clear to us, but I think it's really important for our kids with disabilities that they don't even sign up online and they're surprised that today we're both on the camera and the next day one of us is gone. I think making that pattern clear for the learners is also really important for that process in the online environment. Absolutely, and planning around time is critical. Having an agenda, I, yeah. would, I would say, where we both know who's gonna be on camera approximately what time and, and again, what role we're gonna play, I think those are the things that are gonna help us feel successful. Yeah, and so keep reminding yourself, team teaching is really to turn the learning over to the kids. It's not for you to talk more. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll send us some ideas on practical access on Twitter so we can keep solving practical problems.